Miss Brianna Jacobson here with us. Hello. Hi, Brianna. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Excited to have you. Um, Brianna, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us uh, where you work and what, what you're up to. Cool. Um, my name is Brianna, as you figured out by now. Um, currently, I'm a writer for social media at AMC Networks, so all the shows they have going on there and we're gearing up for The Walking Dead or The Ooh. Walking Dead's already Some premiered. people might have heard of that show. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some, some of our audience might be into that. Based on when this happens, that's the big focus right now, so it's very exciting. And then I also work in cue cards at Saturday Night Live. And SNL. I, another one you might have heard of. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. And I'm also a contributing, freelance contributing joke writer for Weekend Update. Amazing. I mean, those are some pretty, like, well-known, popular, but also very, very different shows. (laughs) And I think it's so cool because you're a writer. That is your job title. And clearly that can kind of manifest in so many different ways. And you're, like, a perfect example of that. Love it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> good work so good far. Good work so, so far. <laughs> so speaking of so far, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the entertainment industry in general? Did you always want to be a writer? Um, I think I was always supposed to be a writer and I didn't necessarily know. Like growing up, I always did that thing as a kid where you're like, we're going to put on a play. And mm-hmm. so put on plays, but... Would you be acting in it or would you be writing? That's the like, thing. Like I always directing it. I produced I would be in it, but looking back I was always the producer. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be like, This is what we're doing, this is when we're doing it, this mm-hmm. is what you're all wearing, mm-hmm. and this is who's involved, and this is the theme. So okay? big picture. Yeah, yeah, big picture. You're like, thing. follow this theme. Yeah. Like I know it's Shakespeare, <laughs> but we're doing it this we're way doing today. It. I remember <laughs> um I did a patriotic theme one and I wore like a poodle skirt and I put on a Madonna mole because she was really popular at the time. Is that so patriotic? patriotic. Well, no, in my Where did you grow was, up? I don't know, in my head it made sense, but I made my dad do the Pledge of Allegiance and he's he's from Israel, so I had to teach my father the Pledge of Allegiance mm. for this play. It wow. was very serious. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up all over. I moved around every two years, basically. I was from New Jersey and then went to Pennsylvania California, then Indiana, and then I came here to New York. And that was because of parents' work? Yeah, my dad's job just took us all over the place, which I always sort of, since this is a little bit professional skewed, I equate that to sort of why I've been able to sort of, if I may say succeed Mm -hmm. in this industry a little bit, and I tell everyone this, because one of the keys is you have to be able to walk in a room and not know anybody, never have been there before, and figure it out very quickly. Especially as a writer, I think, when you're sort of, like, pitching yourself or wanting to, you know, Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. in that way, you have to be quick on your feet and flexible. and Yeah, and you obviously developed the skill of really quickly adjusting to different environments, like, different types of people from different backgrounds, and, you know, clearly drawing them in very quickly, which is... Cool. Yeah, constantly. An amazing skill. You're like a little chameleon. I know. Yeah. It has to be like, whether it be, you know, finding friends to like figuring out how to get to the cafeteria, it's like you just gotta, no one's gonna help you, you just have to figure oh, yeah. it out. And Let's you not get to... started on like bullying and mean girls. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so, All of that. And then were there any sort of entertainment related constants for you growing up? Like a lot of people reference their favorite TV show as like their anchor or their yeah. best friend or whatever it was. I have to. Um, <laughs> obviously, like, I don't know, obviously, but SNL was always a huge part of my life. Like, I have my little diary entries from, I've always kept a diary oh, my wow. whole life. I still have all of them, and I have my entries going way, way back when I was little, talking about, like, I'm going to work at SNL one day. And, oh my god, that's amazing. Hey, that kind of happened. You did it. <laughs> yeah, you 100% did it. Yeah. It did happen. It's happening. I think most people who work there have that diary entry, so it's, like, kind of cool in that way um and then the other show that just changed everything was Buffy oh my god has like my fam two major Buffy Mm -hmm. yeah I know we're all there and like part of it was like I said moving around so much it's like that was my constant I all it's 
whatever, but they were my friends Mm -hmm. in every state I lived in. And, like, the show started with her moving to California right when I had moved to California. Mm. Well, she was moving to a different part, but I was just moving to California. Parallels. Yeah, so I just drew a lot of parallels with that show, and it informed my voice. It informed sort of the way I look at story and how characters should relate to each other and just, like, how to write a joke and all that stuff. And then also just, like, made my heart explode yeah. all the time. So was there what made you feel like working in TV was possible? Like what gave you that idea? Was anybody in your family working in the oh, industry God, no. or like um, my dad, like I said, he's from Israel and moved here to go to school to be an engineer. Um my mom's from New Jersey and you know, she's done odd jobs all over the place, but neither of them were connected in any way. I moved to New York. Are you an only child, by the way? No, okay. I have an older sister who is, like, my hero, and mm. she's my best oh. friend, and I love her so much. Um, she's in Chicago. But came here, and I only knew two people, and it was very random, because the one of the girls I had gone to high school with, um, and then one of the girls I had grown up with in Pennsylvania. So I came here for school. I went to Pratt, which had just started its writing program, and... By just random occurrence, the girl I went to high school with was my roommate, assigned, just randomly. Whoa. And then the girl who I grew up with in Pennsylvania was my RA. Oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah, and I didn't ask for it. We didn't request it. It was just like sort of that the little The universe kind of yeah. made that happen. And also, I think it's great for to note for our listeners, like... With Pratt, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think of that mm-hmm. as a writing school no, or that they would have that department, you know, and I know you said it was just beginning, but clearly it's been several years yes, now, yeah. and so that's, if you want to get into this type of career, you should really consider some of those maybe out-of-the-box yeah. ideas for school, because you can still get a really yeah. great training. And um, it doesn't have to be NYU, no, it doesn't have really to be, no. you know. Um, the other good thing about going to maybe a smaller school like Pratt, well, there's a couple things, obviously biased, is you get more individualized attention because there's less students. Of course, yeah. And then also, there's two more. Being in New York and, like, just being their proximity and not having to necessarily compete with as many students for opportunities mm-hmm. is nice mm-hmm. and to yeah. get that attention. And then also, like, being at a school where the primary focuses were fine arts. There was an amazing film and video, community, like, Calm D, graphic design, all yeah. that fashion, like... You meet so many people, so your network is so much broader, but then your inspiration base is Mm. bigger, too, Mm. because, like, I know people don't necessarily think of writers as people who have to think about design or film or any... Well, film, obviously, but, like, I was around the people who were learning how to edit, who were learning how to shoot, who were thinking about lighting and how something looked on the frame, and when you're a writer at first, like, you have to make your own stuff. Right. You have to do it. And it's very helpful when you can do that yourself or you can call your friend who studied film, who lived next door, and 100%. be like, hey, buddy, I wrote this yeah. thing. Can you help me shoot it and yeah. make it? Yeah. It's a lot faster that way. And Well, especially to today, too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's all about whatever category of creative you are like being able to see it from a 360 angle and be able to have a dialogue with some and know what you're talking about even if you are relying on other creative minds to help infuse that and actually physically make it you're you're coming at it from an educated perspective and I do think you know people forget that your creative vision is coming from a lot of different places it's not just coming from you know his historical books that you like or TV shows that you like. It's coming from the fact that you have all these other hobbies too. Yeah, totally. That you might want to explore. So I think that's a super important takeaway for the audience because you can get a little... These school, the bigger schools are great. They're so great. I would have loved to go to NYU. I mean, I I did go to NYU. And you kind of, I think, the focus is so much on whatever your concentration is that you don't get the exposure necessarily to the other departments and that was my biggest complaint and I think yeah and I think it's a really good point especially for people maybe who haven't gone to college yet or in high school and thinking they want something in the industry it's something to think about like what overall experience do you want to have and also don't rule places out like I feel like Yeah, and don't get so narrowed into, oh my god, I have to go to X place that's going to give me the best training, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I feel like I, you know, I went to Emerson, I loved Emerson, Emerson was amazing, but also I was very tunnel vision Mm -hmm. in my department, and that was great, but 
looking back, yeah. do I wish I maybe was able to broaden that out? Yes. Did yeah. you, um, anyway. did Pratt give you any good sort of like internships well, or? That's the other good thing about Pratt and maybe it's changed since I went there, but at Pratt, nobody was holding your hand. Everything you wanted to do, you had to do it for yourself. So when I moved here, I transferred in my sophomore year. I did my first year at Indiana University in Bloomington. And I think the school had like 36,000 people. Mm -hmm. It was just too many people. Um, So I came here sophomore year and knew like I wanted to to intern at MTV. Because growing up, the other thing in my diary was MTV. DRL. Of course. We all all wanted to be a DRL. Yeah. And like. Liz got to go. I was very jealous. Seriously. So like I was watching TRL in Indiana, not necessarily thinking like, oh, I want to be famous and, like, be on the show or be in the audience or whatever. But I wanted to be the people that I saw sort of in those wide shots Mm -hmm. running around like crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, in between takes. Um, So when I got here, that's – I was just tunnel vision. I was like, I'm in New York. I have no excuse. Like, I have to make it worth my while. And it's not like I was in a rush to leave or anything. It wasn't like that. It was just, I'm here. I have to – I have to do it. So yeah. back in that time, um, we still use fax machines. We still oh, call girl. people on the telephone. So I just made a list of fax numbers and addresses and phone numbers. And I cold called and emailed and faxed my resume places and sort of took it from there. And The hustle. The hustle. Yeah. The hustle, man. The drive. Like, I ought to have that hustle. It was funny. The summer before I moved to New York, I was working for the radio station in Indiana, and they were kicking off Lollapalooza there. Mm-hmm. And so I was working, and I heard that MTV News was going to be there. So I printed out <laughs> 20 copies of my resume, which at the time had Panera Bread on it, <laughs> you know, and like the current internship I was yes. doing. Um and I found every single person that worked at MTV at that concert and introduced myself, gave them my resume. Nothing ever happened from it, but just sure. like knowing to do that sort of thing and knowing yeah. how not to be obnoxious, which you learn along the way. Totally. Like, and I definitely maybe probably was a little because I didn't know yet. But <laughs> yeah. like, that's you how you gotta, learn. You got to find your moments and find your openings. And, and not be afraid. I mean, exactly. that's a pure example to anyone listening of, I mean, beginning, middle, and yeah. whatever it is, do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. What's the worst they're gonna do? Say no. Walk away yeah. or throw your resume away or say no. Yeah. Like that's gonna happen plenty of times. Lots of times. But and to if your you point. don't ever hand it to them, <laughs> yeah. you're never gonna know. And yeah. to your point, like no one's gonna do it for you. You nope. have to nope. be your biggest advocate. Yeah. So when I got here, that's what I did. I just So you ended up interning. I start my very first internship. Again, sort of surprising was with Cynthia Rowley. Oh, yeah, I love her. Like, I used I to work with her. She's awesome. She was so awesome. And, like, you know, I was in Indiana watching Sex and the City every week, and I was like, I want to work on Fashion Week. So I got here, I made a list of designers, and I cold called call Girl, them you are good at on lists. Doors. I love, I love a good list. <laughs> she is a producer. <laughs> I'm a producer, I make lists. Um, so, yeah, so I, that was my first internship, and then I was finally old enough to start getting credit for internships, mm-hmm. which is how I got to MTV and at the time it was the same way just like I think I even called NYU and pretended to be an NYU student (laughs) and was like I'm looking for internships do you maybe have a contact email address or address or phone number at MTV and yeah I I somehow got it and um did did my first internship at MTV2 in production management which God love production management because they just make everything happen. I mean, I was a yeah, stage for, yeah. <laughs> for maybe people in the audience who don't know what production management means, can you kind of give us a little yeah. definition? The way I sort of like to describe it is the wedding planners of the mm-hmm. business. They're the first ones there, the last ones to leave. Every single detail of every single J-Lo. shoot, start to finish, <laughs> is what they do. Yeah, from, you know... To feed the crew, to getting everybody in and out of the door, to paying you, which is very important, which is why they should be your, you should be very nice Best to production friends. management. They pay Best your, friends. They cut your checks. Um, they organize the props. They organize all the actors, all the call times. They make sure the shoot is running on time so that you're not there four hours longer than you should be. They secure the location. They get everybody to and from the location, just like... Every little detail you could think of and a thousand trillion billion more that you would never mm-hmm. think of. There's they do people. and that yeah. Yeah. And is production management something that exists just at networks? 
does it exist like well, other places because you were clearly on a network so. yeah that's what I'm sort of learning now is you know this is my first time sort of working I report now to the marketing team um which is a first for me and it's I'm learning so much every day and it's really cool but it's my first time sort of seeing all the things I learned as a producer and working my way up through the ranks in tv all these things apply in these other departments so like we have some amazing production managers at AMC who I think are some of the hardest working people in the building. And they're, when you're walking down the street and seeing a poster for a show, you know, like they production manage that art and making sure it got from point A to point B. And like, it's just the output is different. Like it's not necessarily like a TV show. It would maybe be a 30 second promo Mm -hmm. or like a really awesome graphic. And they're the ones coordinating with all the editors and the artists yeah. and the marketing team and just every single person that is involved in that they're project the and they're managing it. Yeah. yeah, they're just and like happen without unsung them. heroes. Seriously, yeah. they are they're the bomb. So mm-hmm. you ended up going to MTV for a production management internship? Yeah. How like when you went to do that, did you feel like, okay, this is my foot in the door to become a writer, or did you just want to learn more about the industry? Yeah. Sort of what was your thinking behind that? I always knew, like, I want to write, I want to write, I want to write. But um, I didn't necessarily know what a producer was yet, which is another thing when you guys were talking earlier, like, you know, sort of do some of the left field things, like get the experience in every department possible, because mm-hmm. if you are one of those blessed people who ends up getting to write for SNL or write for a late night show or right at MTV, you have to produce your own stuff. Like, yeah. you're not just like, here's my script, and you wipe your hands clean Go and for walk it. out the door. Like, also, to that point, it's like, how are you going to maintain ownership over your own material yes. if you don't if you don't come at it from a very strong stance of, like, here is my vision, here is, yep. like, how I see this all coming together because yeah. I've had the experience of working as a producer, working as a director, working as a production manager, whatever mm-hmm. it is even a casting director. Yeah. Um, oh, God, casting's... You know, casting is critical. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that just for our audience, it's like remembering, you know, that you want to be bringing as much as you can mm-hmm. to the table in whatever you're trying yeah. to do and not look to the person that you're looking to be the yes man about yeah. your idea to just, like, be that yes man. You want to just invigorate them as yeah. much as you're invigorated in whatever that creative project is. And yeah. I think it's also, like, in terms of writing, which is something I sort of figured out early on because I also went to school for writing. Yeah. Um, it, at first, you know, I think there's a lot of... It can be the opposite, right? It can just be, like, you're hired as a writer, that's all you get to do, and you don't have any ownership mm-hmm, over yeah. it if you don't sort of assert yourself in that way. Yes. And you turn on a script, and then it's gone, and you have no say in what happens. And I think you have to also ask yourself, like, what type of person do I want to be in the industry? Mm -hmm. And, like, creatively, what kind of a person do I want to be? And then the other side of it is, I've mostly worked on studio-based shows, um, which involve a lot of amazing crew members, um, and a lot of people that really work hard to bring the writer's vision to life. So... If you're someone who comes in and has worked in all these other places and on all these other shows, you're not going to write something they can't do. And Mm. if you do write something that's maybe a little outside of the box, it's coming from a place of, I know this is maybe one or two steps beyond our usual, however maybe we could make it happen because we've done X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. And, like, you sort of earn the right to go outside the box because sure. you're always very respectful in your writing. Like, I came up through the UCB system, and it's, like, you're very creatively, um, like, you can do whatever you want there, and they're very encouraging in that way, but they're, like, this is a basement theater. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, the pipes are going to be dripping on you, so maybe you want to think about, the opening scene of your sketch being a rocket ship taking off the stage. <laughs> how are you going to do that? Ceiling. Yeah, like, how yeah. are you going to do that? So sort of think about the space, think about the resources you have. And I found that doing that has sort of given me a leg up because not only is the crew happy with me, I write things that sort of go through the process a little easier because mm-hmm. I know what well, that you process your, is. You do your homework. Yeah, I mean, back to, you know, you are prepared yeah. to do your homework. Like, you have to call people. Like, as I'm writing, I will pick up the phone to wardrobe and be like, is this something we have mm. available to mm-hmm. us? Like, knowing if it's one thirty and we're shooting at 2.30, and all of a sudden this idea pops in my 
I'm remembering a specific segment. I was um, interviewing Juicy J for this show at Fuse. He's a rapper. It was 1.30. We were going to do this like cold open sketch with him. And I was like, I need him wearing a really nerdy cardigan. So it's like, call wardrobe. I'm not going to launch this on you. Like, you have to go get it just because an hour ahead I had this brainstorm. Like, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. If we have it, great. If not, I'll rethink it, you know? It's like a responsible writer. Yeah. I mean, there are all those times where the idea is just really good and you're like, (laughs) but like, you know, most of the time you just, you know, it's working in television is such a team effort that like you just want to keep your teammates in mind at all times because they'll be happy with product you'll be happy with the product, and yeah. it's just so important. Well, I, well think, I think on that note, let's just take a quick break. And we're back. We are back. Woo, back with Brianna. I always get so songy on this I know podcast. you do. I don't really know why. I think the audience is going to learn to love it and appreciate it. <laughs> if they don't or just love it They're going to send a lot of comments being like, Liz, shut the hell up. <laughs> um, Brianna, okay. So last we left you, we uh, were at your internship at MTV. <laughs> and we know you're currently doing a lot of different awesome jobs. Can you kind of catch us up? Yeah, totally. Um, so... The MTV2 thing was sort of my open door in, and from there, I interned at VH1 at Best Week Ever, which was an awesome show. Oh my gosh, the so best. Good. The um, best, Best Week Ever. Yeah, and then I, from there, I went to The Onion, which was great because I was there at the beginning of The Onion News Network, which oh, was wow. sort of their, yeah, they yeah. were like the first four way into web videos. Of course. Yeah, very important. Um, and then I did some odd jobs and spent a lot of time at UCB. And working for them, and around that time is when I started doing cue cards. I started at Conan, and I was at Conan for a couple of months, and then the writer's strike happened. And when mm. there's a writer's strike, they don't necessarily need cue cards. Nope. So um, They're not I, doing much. Nope, nope. I got stuck, I got stuck in the WMA mailroom during the writer's strike. I was at Colbert was Report. Yeah. Yep. yep. We played a lot of the um, industry for guitar the, here. For yeah, that's what we did at Conan. For our audience, when the writers strike, nothing's getting made. Everything shuts down. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so at that time, like while I was at Conan, I sort of was, as I always do, looking around and seeing what was what, and I saw the pages, and I was like, that's what I want to do. What is that for our audience? Okay, so the NBC page program, um, there's an East Coast program and a West Coast program, Mm -hmm. and everyone always sort of refers to Kenneth on 30 Rock, Um, but what it is is a sort of apprenticeship program where you have a year at the network, and there are different assignments in various departments around the building. Um, that you have to interview for and apply for, like, in a very professional way. Um, And you do these assignments, and in between assignments and during them, you give studio tours, so guest relations, and you also work as an audience assistant on the shows that tape there. So it's sort of your foot in the door. They give you a key, but you have to earn your keep, basically. Very well said. Thank you. Um, it It changed my life. And I had actually applied, going back to rejection, I had applied for the PAGE program directly out of school and got, um, rejected. (laughs) But then, yeah, but then spent those two years working my, working my butt off, working for free a lot and just like getting to know people. And so by the time the writer's strike happened and I was at Conan, I had seen what pages can do. And I talked to some of them, one in particular, um, Cade Miravaldis. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, she um, she helped me sort of connect to the right people, and I was lucky enough to get into the program and start pretty much right away. Um, in the program, I did my first assignment at Sci-Fi in the press department, which again, sort of a departure, but I saw that good people had done it before, and I didn't know anything about press. So, mm-hmm. and then went on to do Conan and SNL. All the meanwhile, still doing cue cards on the side. Um, and I was lucky enough to land a job at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Out of the program, I left the page program early to work for Jimmy. It wasn't a show yet. Um, there were like 10 of us in the office and the oh writers. But when what I got there. What were you? Were you a PA? Yeah, I was a PA. Um, and production assistant. Production assistant. And had an amazing experience there. Everybody was so supportive of there were three of us PAs, and everyone was so supportive of our extra interests. Like, mm-hmm. they, they told us, if you like something, go after it. 
we're not going to stop you. We just want you to learn. So, and there really weren't that many people on staff. So it was just like yeah. all hands on deck all the time. And I was there for three years and got to do a lot of incredible things. But at the end of that three years, it was time to move on and not be a PA anymore. So yeah, you got to know when to keep <laughs> yep, building yeah. <laughs> and like not listen. Sometimes you get a good thing and like you could sit there and not keep learning, keep growing, keep building. And, that's and you a know, good I lesson. think, I think a lot of the time, you know, if there are new opportunities, it's out of your control. Like if I'm sure if something was available, you would have taken it, but you recognize like there's not, and I got to go. Like, yeah. Like the, it was just working at Bowen. I was, anyone who was there at that time, we were a part of a really cool thing mm-hmm. and a really exciting thing. And we worked harder than we'd ever worked before. And so then after those three years, uh, I landed my first job at MTV, and I knew by that time I had wanted to write. The The writers at Fallon were so encouraging and supportive. They let me um, submit to the monologue and to thank you notes, and like they were always super responsive. with Because jokes are my thing. That's what I love. <laughs> That's what I like to write. That's how I think. So like they were always so encouraging of that. I always had time to read things and throw them in the pile and give credit where credit was due. So... At MTV, it was cool because I got to be a writer's assistant. It was like, nice. uh, <laughs> like the word writer's in my title somewhere. Like, granted, I'm getting coffee, yes. but it's awesome. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and so I worked on a cool MTV game show as the writer's assistant, which is where I met Madeline. Yeah! <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, sort of worked my way up at MTV and was also, from there, went to Fuse, where I was writing for a TRL-style oh, nice. daily live show. Worked with a lot of musicians. And... That got canceled. <laughs> as TV as shows well, TV shows do. As things do. Yeah. Um, and that sort of got me to a point where I was reevaluating because I'm I'm still young, but I'm not a spring chicken, and the industry is nothing like when I started. And now, basically, everyone I know who came up in the TV world is working in digital. Yeah. Because everybody is watching their content online. There's such amazing websites out there that are just videos and video based and not even just like a website you'd think of like funny or die or I can't think of above average above average or something like that it's like a lot of people I know worked on the Hillary campaign because all those videos she tweets out have to be made by producers Mm, and writers and shooters and all that like there's just so many opportunities for producers and writers and people who know how to work with video and it's not necessarily on the TV screen. The TV screen has become secondary to your phone, your iPad, your your tablet, if we're getting away from Apple, Com- yep. computer, you know, your computer. Well, yeah. So um, that's what sort of took me to where I am now. Um, I got very interested in the social world, which sort of my eyes were open to it at Fallon because that's sort of when it was beginning mm-hmm. to be what it is mm-hmm. now. And the Fallon social team was just like above and beyond and sort of pioneering what yeah. like a late night show should have as far as presence. Can you give us an example? Yeah. Um, they just little things like clipping out sections of the show and clipping out interviews and live tweeting to like little stunts they do that they still do. Like they called it trench coat tickets where they plant a lovely intern in a trench coat somewhere and like give away, you know, yeah, I'm here now. Location. I'll yeah. give you tickets. And yeah. they did side videos like this very talented. And super hilarious guy, Josh Lay, did a super cut of The Roots, like, the guests coming on and being like, give it up for The Roots. So he did an awesome super cut of that, and like, you know, just things were going viral. Well, thinking outside the box of, of like, we are already creating all of this content that, yes, is going to go live on TV, but what, how, how do we... Cut that up a little bit, splice it up a little bit, and put it on all these other avenues. Yeah. Um, I think that's so, I mean, I'm like, I feel like you're you're like always ahead of the curve like you or you're like, yeah <laughs> well, no, you're, you true. seem to be very good and I think this is a good takeaway for our audience about being present in acknowledging that like somebody's doing something a little bit different and not being afraid of that and yeah. seeing the value in it and mm-hmm. saying okay well that's something I could do too and yeah. I can adjust and be flexible and mm-hmm. I think um in this stage of Everything, content, entertainment, you gotta have that yeah. mindset. Yeah. If you stay in one lane, you're no. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so as a writer who's seeing all these changes in social, mm-hmm. where did that sort of how did that take you to where you are now? And like what are you passionate about around yeah. it? What are you Were you tweeting about? on your own too? Yes, I was. Oh, um yeah. I actually so a big thing of being a writer is 
you're going to have some time in between gigs. Like, it's a freelance lifestyle. You have to be prepared for the fact that there will be weeks or months on end where you're not working, which could really suck, but you got to learn how to use it to your advantage and use those times off, use that time off to sort of brush up your portfolio and create things to make people want to hire you. So, like, early in the game in between MTV gigs, I started a website called mm-hmm. Little Conqueror where I just made it as the home base for everything I do. Videos mm-hmm. I make, jokes I write, essays I want to write, just the place for all the things yeah. so that when people... First of all, people will read it. Like, I get a good number of views on posts. Slow go, down go a little bit. Go to Little Conqueror. Yes. Little Conqueror. L-I-L. Cause, you L-I-L. Know, we'll like list it out. Yep. We'll list it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just became sort of the landing ground and learning how to sort of put that stuff out there. And then in my last break, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. Surprise, Brianna's talking about Foo Fighters. Um, <laughs> I decided that the job I wanted was to be their social person. So I knew that... That might not even be a job that existed, so I, you all can watch it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I made a video. I wrote a parody or a cover of a song, had friends who worked in sound record it, a really talented friend sing it, and then another friend helped me, you know, produce the visuals for it, and then I edited it. Like, we all just, I sort of just pulled and made all that. All hands on deck. All hands on deck, and then made a whole viral plan for that, or a social plan for that, and that's sort of what got me to this next level, which is... Okay, so did people, know, who noticed that? Uh, well, the Foo Fighters noticed it, uh, ah! so that was kind of cool. Um, I was able to email with their manager a little bit, who really liked it and passed it on, and... So the manager got, doing a good job right there, that's really nice. Good. Right? Yeah. That's nice. Um, and it got, it got passed around on social a lot, it was a trending topic, um, and that was also, I should thank every single person because I sent a lot of emails asking, I, I pulled in some favors to ask people to tweet it and I'd like to think that, you know, um, they know how grateful I am, but it never goes without saying thank you. Um, <laughs> so it really got around and a lot of people noticed it enough so that people came to me about social jobs, which I was a TV writer, so... Yeah. The only way to get a social job was to be like, look, I'm, I could do social stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really and, doing it for yourself again. Yeah. And sort of, you know, there were a couple things that didn't work out, but those things sort of led to where I am now. And I honestly, like, I couldn't be happier at this current job. Like, it's a whole new world. And like I said earlier, learning about marketing is a whole new thing, but I'm just soaking it all in and it's great. And at the end of the day, the thing I do all day, every day is right, and there's still that element of sort of production and coordinating between departments and all of that. Can you, um, yeah, just kind of give us a little bit of a rundown of what your day-to-day job is right now, like what you do? So I sort of live in a happy place between the social and marketing team and the digital team. The digital team is making incredible content for AMC.com, like these, like amazing episodic stuff for all of our shows. And then, you know, a lot of interesting other pieces and or like graphics, whatever. I could talk forever. They're doing amazing <laughs> content. So my job is to coordinate between them to see what they want from that content to be posted on social mm-hmm. and write the social posts for that. And a big part of being a writer is getting approvals. <laughs> so mm-hmm. getting that stuff approved. Um through to the social team and have their approval on it, and then it gets posted. And so, for our audience, <laughs> if they're on like the AMC Twitter feed or yeah. AMC Facebook, is yeah. that you? Partially. So, another thing, another great area to look into if you're a creative person, a producer, a writer, etc., that I'm just learning now is there's all these amazing digital creative agencies mm-hmm. who their job is to make awesome content and write awesome copy for social. Um, so if you were to look at any of the AMC pages, it's a mixture of the stuff I'm writing for the digital team and also for all our other sort of like ad sales and, mm-hmm. you know, other departments. That, the money people. <laughs> yeah, the money people who make partnerships and then I help push stuff out for those partnerships. And then like a lot, a lot of it, a bulk of it is the really cool creative content that the agencies are making. So we're all in close contact all the time and there's definitely like very specific voices for each show. Like, mm-hmm. this is the most voices I've had in my head at one ah! time. Because it's like, I have every single AMC show has a different voice. Yeah. And then there's 
the four or five people that approve my writing who live in my head now too. <laughs> and so it's just like a big old soup of people in there. <laughs> and I assume you're also sort of, you know, doing your own writing on this side. Yeah, on the side. Um, I'm still submitting to Weekend Update, which is, I'm always so grateful that I get to do that. And you definitely want to put your best foot forward with your packets for that. Um, and What's then, a packet for oh, those who maybe so, don't know? <laughs> um, every show works differently, but like for instance, for the update packet, um, they send you setups and you're allowed to send in 10 jokes every week. I want to make sure those are the 10 best jokes I've ever written mm-hmm. every week. So, you know, you put in as much work as you can for that. But like a packet in general, just like the more accepted term use of it is like if you're submitting to a show they'll ask for your packet and they'll give you packet requirements so like, and this is for a comedy show for, or a late night show well even that's the thing I thought it was just that mm-hmm. but as I've been and had been applying yeah. for these social jobs and these marketing positions they are they request packets too wow it's different requirements like you're writing different things but it's sure. still a writing packet because like think about it they're not just going to put some girl that did good in three face-to-face interviews and say great now write content yeah. promoting all of our shows it's a writing gag you it's have, a writing to, gag. Yeah. I have to prove i can write so. right right and uh, and that to your back to your point about all the voices and the soup in your head that yeah. you can come to them and be like i can conquer this voice and yeah. you know maybe it's not exactly right when you're submitting without working with people but it's showing promise yeah, yeah. you know yeah and showing that you did the homework again. Yeah, half of yeah. it too, like, I think another part of it is, as a writer, when you're submitting, you have to follow the rules. Like, if they say turn in 10 jokes and you turn in 11, they're going to throw your thing away, probably. Like, right. Yeah, that's no a really good point. It. No, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. There's, there's, it's, um, uh, it's precise and... Don't try and be in an overachiever. Like no. in the in this, just be follow the rules. Follow the rules. And I think yeah, you know. No, that's a huge huge point. I think it applies to any job in probably any industry, but especially our industry. Your reputation and your name is all you have. Mm-hmm. And if you get the reputation for being somebody who doesn't listen or can't, you know, follow a basic set of instructions, yeah. you know, people are probably gonna say that's who you are. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um. But yeah, that's what a packet is. Thank you. It's just a collection <laughs> of your writing that is formed under guidelines for whatever project you're submitting. So it feels like, despite having maybe different areas that occupy your writing brain at this point, they all sort of intersect in similar ways, mm-hmm. and it's all basically like short form, yes. seems. Um, probably comedic, not necessarily yeah. so with your day job, but I assume you have some comedic stuff in social. And yes. So it all feels like it's interweaving and sort of feeding each other. Which 100%. I think is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I just love how you have, you know, really just the waves of the changes. You've really just like wrote every single one of those waves and just been like, I'm open to it. Oh, you guys were telling me like social jobs exist for writers? Great. Like I'll go do that at a network. Let's explore it. I know I can do that. Oh wait, there's digital agencies that do this too. Cool. Let me like make sure I'm making my way in with those folks too because maybe that's something I should explore. It just feels like you've been very open to it and that's important to remember. And I think, again, we said this a little bit earlier, but I think the title writer is so different today mm-hmm. than it was even five right. years ago, yeah. ten years a ago. A year ago. A year ago. You are the writer for this season that we are interviewing, and I think your varied experience is, like, such a great example yeah. of what it means to be a writer in 2016. Thanks. <laughs> no, it's so very tr- cool. It's so true. It's also just a reminder that, like, just a title doesn't equal one thing. Nope. No, you know, it really no. it really doesn't, and you can create what that really equals for you as an individual, mm-hmm. playing on your strengths, playing on your actual interests. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's so awesome. All right. Break we're gonna time. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a fun rapid fire round. Ooh, there you go. Rapid fire. Shoot up a dwee, ba dwee da up wow. Welcome back. We are back. Now All I'm right. singing. Fun question. I know. It rubs off on you. Um, back with Brianna. Back Hi. with Brianna. And we are going to go into, do you have any crazy celeb stories or horror boss stories 
from all of your many, many, many jobs. <laughs> many jobs. <laughs> Too smart to share any horror stories. But, um, Too shy. I do have a favorite celebrity celebrity story that I tell to anyone who will ever listen. Because it just... Listen up, everybody. Blows my mind that it happened. So, um, back in my page days, um, when I was the page at Conan, mm-hmm. we one of our responsibilities was escorting the guests from their cars to set and taking care of them while they were there and then taking them back to their cars after they had done been done taping. So, Tina Fey was on right before the premiere of that season of 30 Rock. So... Of course, like, obviously she was one of my heroes and still is and will always be. So here I am. Boss lady. Boss lady. Like, here I am in an elevator with her. And I know better than to, like, be like, oh, my God, hi, Tina Fey. (laughs) And be, like, a total freak, you know? So you sort of just read. You're professional. Yeah, you be professional, read the vibe. But I couldn't help but mention something. So I was like, I was like, hey, Tina, I just wanted to tell you something if you don't mind and she's like sure of course and I was like well all of us pages are really excited about tomorrow's premiere of 30 Rock so we're having a 30 Rock at 30 Rock party and all watching it here together she's like oh yeah and I'm like and all setting our DVRs individually at home to record it and she's like <laughs> and, and, your yeah, and she started laughing which was crazy she's like and watching it within 24 hours I'm like yes of course <laughs> um, and she's like oh where are you having this party? I'm like, here at 30 Rock. She's like, no, no, I, I get that, but like, where? And I was like, oh, there's a conference room right by the page office where we're going to all hang out. And she's like, oh, cool. And then, you know, said goodbye, put her in her car. That was that. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I know, I so, love it. I love it already. <laughs> the next day, um, the page office got a call from her assistant, the supervisor of the page program, got a call from the assistant who was like, Tina heard that you're having a party and she wants to do something, etc. And all of this was a surprise. Um, so when we walk into the party, there's like four dozen Crumbs cupcakes, which if you're not a New Yorker, Crumbs cupcakes are like these giant, amazing, fancy cupcakes with every kind of flavor. They're incredible. And a handwritten note that said, Dear Chemist, thanks for watching. Love, Tina Fey and everyone at 30 Rock. Aww. So, just because some random girl had told her that we were all going to watch the show well, together. She, not random girl. Well, you but, know. But props to Tina for, like, taking a minute there yeah. and really being wow. a cool boss lady. Yeah. so generous. Yeah, she took yeah. time out of her schedule to coordinate this thing that is something I know my whole page class will remember forever. Yeah. Um, and just made our night that much more special. And sometimes as a page, it's not as glamorous as you'd like. And, sure. you know, it really well, made us feel appreciated. It's nice yeah. to, you know, our audience listening, it's nice to know when your heroes are true heroes. Like, when you meet them and when you have a, maybe a moment or two, even if it's just a smile and, like, you can feel like, okay... Those people, like, I know why I like them and why I look up to them. Yeah. Sometimes that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it is nice to have that reaffirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, props to Tina Fey for doing that. Shout out to Tina Fey. That's amazing. And, yeah, very heartwarming. I'm happy to hear it. Also, cupcakes. Cupcakes. (laughs) Who doesn't love a cupcake? And a party always needs one. Oh, I, I, I agree one. with you. <laughs> especially um, chocolate for this Especially one. chocolate. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Can you give us a recommendation of a TV show, a film, or a play that you think the audience should check out? Or a podcast. I feel like and we should also add in like another podcast. podcast. Also. I don't know. I'm feeling like all of the course. other medias. Of course. Or a digital series. Or a digital yeah. Anything media anything related. Media. Anything media You would related. like to recommend to the audience. Um, well, I know by now everybody's heard of Unreal and everybody oh. loves Unreal, but mm-hmm. I will Preach. go to every single human on this world and tell them to watch that show because it is so freaking good. And I Constance. thought of... us. God, Constance Zimmer. Oh, <laughs> And also Sherry Appleby. I mean, I love Sherry. Roswell, for anybody who knows what reference that is. Slate this past season. Yeah, I agree. Mm -mm -mm. Check it out. So I thought of a backup, just because people are probably already on the Unreal tip. Um, A show I really love that I feel like doesn't get enough shine is Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Um, It's by the same writer-producer of Unreal. Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon, Noxon, Mm -hmm. who's one of my heroes. She's a pioneer of Buffy. Yep. She also did a 
a season or two of Mad Men. Like, mm-hmm. she, that girl is incredible, prolific, and just a rock star. And everything she does just speaks to my heart mm-hmm. very strongly. So, you don't get scared by the sort of, like, glittery, girliness, girliness of Girl Outside. There's yeah. something really great happening there. I do like that show. And, you know, it's a, you just made me think of something that I do think is important for people who are interested in the entertainment industry, whether you want to be a writer or whatever, is paying attention to the credits. Mm-hmm. Because yes. I think now being in the industry, I think it's so cool when I go back and I watch like Alias and yep. there are these writers that maybe started as staff writers and maybe they didn't want to write about, you know, Alias or a sci-fi show no. or whatever, but they started there, they got their credit, they did write by that show, and now they're And doing, now who's, who's and, the name on exactly, those credits? Who's the name, who's, the name who's got their own show, who's doing whatever, and um, I think it's cool to pay attention to those trajectories mm-hmm. and remember that sometimes you, to your point, just got to get your foot in the door and like maybe it's not exactly the right you know, or maybe they're mixture, still on their but, journey. I think Marty Knoxon yeah. is a great example. Like, those few examples you gave are so different from mm-hmm. each other. And I'm sort of like, I'm also a fan of hers. And I'm like, where is she going to go next? Like, mm-hmm. what is actually going to happen with her career? You know? I yeah. think that's really fun to also pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, okay. So, are we going this mm-hmm. one? Okay, what is the best career advice you have ever received? Uh, I have I have two. Mm-hmm. The best advice I ever received um, was always smile. And I know that sounds really lame and like put on a happy face, but when you're in a production environment, you might not know who's looking at you when, but you are in a room full of people, so you want people to remember you as the girl or boy who had a pleasant disposition and Mm. always looked happy. Even at your most stressful moments, keep your composure, be pleasant, and be warm so that, who knows, this makeup artist who was on this shoot with me, we probably never spoke. However, a shoot later, maybe she's talking to the producer, and they're like, we need someone, and she's like, I saw this happy-go-lucky PA, maybe bring them over. And that's happened to me. Like, stuff Mm. like that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying earlier, your reputation is all you have. So you want to always be pleasant and warm. And I know it's an old, like, everyone says it, but... Oh God! It goes. It goes. It goes really far. far. Especially, I think, to your point of maybe people don't know you, but they know that much about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can be enough. And yet, you don't know what people are noticing. Like you really don't. Like Mm -hmm. you, you can be running around doing a million things, or kind of be sitting in the corner. But if you're giving off a vibe of like, I want to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm happy to help. I'm I'm a team player. Whatever. I'm a team player. Like everyone top to bottom will remember that. Well, that's sort of, that's exactly how I got my cue card job because I was working as a PA on a show at UCB um, for Horatio Sands and he brought in his cue card person who, I didn't know who this person was, but we got to talking a little bit. I was like, I've done cue cards at an internship, whatever. Um, And that was that. Turns out this guy is the cue card guy. I jokingly call Wally, that's his name, the Wally. King, Wally, the king of late night. He's worked on every show. He's been at SNL since the 90s. He's the guy. And that's amazing. He always <laughs> says to me, he, the theater got a call from him a couple weeks later, like, who was this person? And he always says to me, he's like, I, know, I knew you were working for free. You were working your butt off. You had a smile on your face. So I figured you'd be good. Like, we had limited communication, but... It was just, he saw it, yeah. yeah. And I didn't know he was watching, yeah. so... I was and also, like, remember to give, like, others around, around you credit to notice mm-hmm. that. I mean, no, it doesn't... It's yeah. not... It's not going to happen every day, you know, no. whatever, but um, there will be those special moments yeah. that open doors that yeah. you never anticipated, and yeah. that's all a testament to you just you know, giving off that vibe, yeah. which is so important. The hours when you work on a TV set are so long. Oop, and that was my... <laughs> We're just going to edit all this. All this, this. All I mean, is going to get edited. I think I know the second sentence over. Wine um. coaster. Anyway, starting over. Um, We're human people. Yeah. 
And sort of to that point, the hours on a TV set are so long. So once you even have the job, like people want to hire people they like to be around. Because if you're going to be by each other's side for 80 hours in one week, you're going to want to be around someone you like. Yeah, and even if you don't have the skills, a lot of times people will hire for personality and temperament because you can learn how to do it. Oh, it's true for people who think I don't have to get along with anybody as long as I'm a great writer or great this or that. Nope, that is not how it works. Ultimately, like you may last a season on a show as a writer, but if you're difficult, you're not going to get asked back. Nope. Friends hire friends, or friends hire people who they trust to recommend others who have, like, done right by them. I mean, that's just, that is just how it works. And if you expect, if you're walking into a situation in the entertainment industry where you're like, I'm just gung-ho, I'm ready to do anything, I'm ready to commit, and you don't necessarily have all of the resume bullet points... Somebody's going to give you a chance if they, you know, if they know your game to just commit and like if they've heard through the grapevine that you are that person. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also like read the room and like, you know, (laughs) read the room is so important. So important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, great piece of advice. You You want to give us your other one? Um, my other one is just ask for help. Like so many production people and writers are thinking and myself included I'm still learning this like you think you have to be a one-man band and you want to be sort of to the point of being liked and all of that you want to cause as little waves as possible but if you don't know how to do something or if you're unclear on something especially for a live tv show or something like that just ask for help because it's so much better to take that 30 seconds and take a beat than to move forward with the wrong information because that'll come back around yeah. and make it harder for everyone yeah ultimately and it's something i know i work on every day oh my so. god i work on that every day too it's a and, really good one and i think yeah. it's also like if you make a mistake just, just say something own up to it immediately own up immediately and honestly it won't be it won't be as bad as you think it is as nope. long as you just come out right then and there if you don't own up it will be a it will thousand times eat worse. you alive and you'll probably get fired yeah you'll get ulcers for days <laughs> yeah um yeah no those are like the two biggest things i feel like are just so important to always be in the back of your mind and actually do day yeah day. yeah no that's true um, it's a good reminder for us as yeah. well as our audience oh my god yeah the ask for help reminder is so critical um all right well that's super good advice so everybody write that down in your diary um well to leave our audience wanting more um do you have anything to promote that we should send folks to check out yeah totally um obviously like i said earlier my website is lil conqueror l-i-l conqueror.com and then you can always find me on twitter l-i-l underscore conqueror gotta get that underscore in keep um, it consistent yep <laughs> i can attest to brianna's awesome twitter i highly recommend oh. you guys following her yay so uh go there and do it i, I usually follow back especially so. around <laughs> like key events all things pop culture check all her things out newsy. check it out Brianna, thank you so much thank for you. coming on the show. I'm so flattered <laughs> to be here. We're so happy to have you. And I think this is just, again, another great example of some a boss lady yeah. doing it how she's going to do it. And yes. I think in charting the own path. So that's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for Yay. having me. Thanks for coming. Bye, Bye guys. Booyah, ba-dye. Booyah, ba-dye. Tweet up, 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 tweet up,